We finished Colossians for the most part. Um, we're just going to go kind of to a different direction today. Uh, chose to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Two letters Paul wrote uh, to Corinthians. Why was that? Well, they needed a lot of help. <laughs> they needed a lot of encouragement. And I want to start by saying one of the things that Paul experienced besides his hardships, his afflictions, his being beat, preaching the gospel, being imprisoned, uh, it was just normal things that occurred during his time as he traveled about ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ, basically defending the faith of Christ. And we're going to look at a bit of his thoughts here today that are dealing with what we're up against. We're really up against an enemy. You and I know every day that the enemy wants to destroy and kill and discourage and put on his doubt if he can. And what specifically we're going to read here is something he does very well. He's a deceitful, a deceiver, and he blinds, he, he blinds the eyes of so many. And we'll read here after I sip the water. <clears throat> now, verse 1 starts with, in chapter 4, it started with the word therefore. How many have learned when you see therefore? That means because of, so we go to back up a bit. Okay? So I'm going to back up just a few verses. Verse 13 of the third chapter talked about Moses. Remember when he went to the mount to get the commandments? His face shone. The people were afraid. He looked crazy. He looked, wow. They couldn't look on him. And so he put a veil over his face that the sons of Israel might not look intently at the end of what was fading away, but their minds were hardened. Let me just say this. Unbelief is still one of the enemy's greatest weapons. Convince people, now there's nothing to this God. You remember the story when they were getting to it, going out of the slavery of Egypt. It wasn't very far in the wilderness. And Moses was lingering on the mountain. And God says, you better go down. Your people are in bad shape. And he heard the voice and voices. And he heard what sounded a bit crazy. They were having a party, and they were worshiping this calf. How can people get so far away from the truth? 
The enemy is a deceiver. And if he can, he wants to deceive people. If their minds were hardened, for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because it is removed in Christ, so he's specifically referring to the nation of Israel. For much, most of the nation of Israel does not recognize Jesus as the Christ, the war. But some are turning. Some are turning. And we're believing that the Bible, as it says, many will turn to the Lord. But it says, whenever a man turns to the Lord, verse 16, the veil is taken away. So in order for people's eyes to be opened, we have to turn to Jesus. I used to think I have to be such and such and such and such a way. I have to change my ways before I can come to church or go to, go to Jesus. Growing up, that was kind of, you felt a little bit unworthy. The fact of the matter is, we are unworthy. But the, but the, but the goal is not how good we can become, it's how close we can get to Jesus. Because once we get to Jesus, Jesus changes us real. It becomes real. It becomes a transformation. It's a renewing of our heart and mind. The old things pass away. Things fall off. Oh, I know it. it's not always overnight. Many times Christianity is one step forward, two steps back. One step forward, two steps back. You have this sort of an up and down. You have this battle that is taking place. So when we sin, or should we say if we sin, but it's more like when we sin, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just. Now we have to understand, we're not just doing that because we want to get guilt-free. We're doing that because we want to be in right relationship. And the word that we're going to read here in a bit is the word reconciliation. What in the world does that mean? Reconciled has to do with becoming in right relationship. See, because we have a problem, we got, we got born, we have a problem. How many have problems? The fact that we were born into this world, we have a problem already. And you know what it is. For all of sin, and fallen short of the grace of God. All of sin. I can never work hard enough. I can never be good enough to save myself. And Paul is eyewitness. First it was Saul, now Paul becoming converted. He scared a lot of Christians. In the book of Acts, you can read about it. He scared a lot of godly people because they saw what Saul was doing previous to his conversion. And they weren't so sure if these this soul is really what he was saying. It was really was was he really changed? He needed time. Aren't you glad God met you somewhere? 
Aren't you glad somewhere in the history of your life that you came to realize that I need Jesus and I can't save myself and he has a plan and he has a purpose for my life. So therefore, verse 1, we have this ministry. All of us have a ministry. You don't have to have a church. You have people in your family. You have people in your neighborhood. You all have a ministry. You are living your life wherever you're at in your season of life. If there's one person next to you somewhere in the line or somewhere you cross paths, you have ministry. Ministry is people. Boil it down. Ministry is first to God, knowing him. Paul said I might, that I might know him. He could have listed all the things he'd done. He said he did in part. But everything was rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. So therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, God had mercy on you and I. Because the fact of the matter is, we don't deserve heaven. But because of God's mercy and his grace, we get heaven. For those who will call upon his name will be saved. If you believe in your heart, believe in what he has done for you, that he, was, he gave himself on a cross, that he's resurrected and he did lie for you today. And now verse 1 says something about that we do not lose heart. In the ministry, in your going forward, in your life, in your projects, in your attempts to do something productive, how many have ever had setbacks? Yeah, I'm sure there's a few. How, how many are having a challenge right now? Somewhere there's a challenge going on. Yes. Life is not life. Exempt from trial or challenges. I was talking to my friend the other day, the one that's going to put the sign up. He said, as soon as we get that slab in, he needs a slab for his new house. He's moving. We're going to put the sign up. Well, that should be hopefully pretty soon. I won't name any dates. But he was giving me example of his day. Well, I was, I was a logger for one day. He was clearing the lot. And he said, I rolled the tire. I rolled the tire off the bead. That means the tire came off the rim. How many have ever had tire problems? And you're trying to get something done, or you have a piece of equipment that something breaks. I remember when Cal, my father-in-law, would have to be working on the hay binder or working on some kind of equipment in the middle of haying season, something breaks. It's a setback. And it just seems like the life is that way. As soon as you start to step out in the things of God, and you start to step out to do something for him, and just don't be surprised that something is going to come against you to try to hinder you. And then he says, if we don't lose heart. If you lose heart, you'll stop. If you lose heart, you'll quit. If you lose heart, you'll stop. You'll back up and you'll begin to become discouraged. And I've been there. But I don't stay there with the help of God. Yes, I admit I can get discouraged when I take my eyes off the Lord. 
We all can get discouraged when we begin to think about how we're going to accomplish something in our own strength. But it's really, we're going to accomplish it with the help of the Lord. James described it in the little letter of James this way. If you plan to go to a city and make a profit, you should pray about it. If it's the Lord's will, we shall do this or we shall do that. Isn't that a good way to live? If the Lord is willing, if the Lord will help us, and he will, because God wants to be with you in your life right now where you're at, in your situation, in your struggles. If we don't lose heart. How many people have you known that have been discouraged? Uh huh. What should we do about that? Well, Sometimes you need to be a listening ear. Sometimes you need to send a note or a call. In some way, make a gesture that you're supporting them, reaching out to them. No one can be as strong by themselves as they can be together, being connected. We can't be as strong as we ought to be unless we're connected with God and connected with the family of God. Because it says in the Word, Galatians describe bearing one another's burdens, bearing each other's load, picking up the slack or taking some of the, the weight off. So Paul is describing the ministry. He's describing what we're up against. And he mentions the veil that was over the nation of Israel. And he mentions even if in verse 3, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in whose case the God, the God, not the God, the God, which reference to Satan, the God of this world. Isn't it interesting, if you read in Job chapter 1, you read there about God or Satan coming to God and asking permission to test Job. That's, and God asked Satan, where have you been? And Satan goes, I've just been walking around the earth, roaming about. And in Peter's letter says, seeking someone to devour. He doesn't fight fair. Picks on the weak. We praise on often if we're, we're, we're on the fence, if we're so on the fence, so to speak, we're kind of, we're not totally all in. He wants to keep us that way. And thanks be to Jesus. Paul described this struggle in the book of Romans, a struggle within his own spirit. And he knew what was right to do, but he was struggling to do it. See, the Bible says even to know what is right and not doing it is sin. And so we need the Lord to be infiltrating every part of our lives so that we do not be deceived, so that we do not get caught up in the system of the world. And let me say this, the world 
has its system. The devil has a system. The devil has its own empire. But God has his, and he's the only true empire, the true kingdom. The kingdom of God is going to prevail. The kingdom of God will win in the end. It will be that which God himself will come, as we see in Revelation, Jesus pictured on a horse coming down to judge the nations. And it says in Philippians, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they shall look upon him whom they pierce. We read in the scriptures that they did not know what they were doing. Jesus said that himself. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing on the cross. Jesus understood this deception, this blindness. When Paul was struck by the Lord and he was dark, his eyes went dark as he couldn't see something supernatural was about to happen or was happening, because when Ananias was, oh, could you, you can imagine being Ananias. He's the guy who God said, go pray for Paul. Wait, wait a minute. This is the guy who k- kills Christians. And so Ananias had this, you know, this, this argument. And finally he agreed to go in ahead with it. And it says, something like scales fell off. Something like scales fell off of that. I like the nat. That was a physical eye opening, but I like to apply that to something like scales on the hearts of people in our world that need to be removed. There's a veil that lies. There's there's this thinking that there are other ways to heaven when the Bible says there are not. It says Jesus is the only name by which we can be saved. And so this whole ministry of reconciliation, we're being challenged today by the, the enemy that is deceiving people, thinking there are other ways to get to heaven when the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come except by the Father. And oh, I'm so glad he was merciful to me, yet he heard my prayer as a young boy say, Jesus, that's all I could say in those days, Jesus. And that was enough, just to call on the Lord's name and know that his presence was there, that he was coming to me. And so this losing the heart thing, it will stop us, it will quench us, it will stifle us, it will set us back, but let us not be let us not grow weary, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart. It says this in doing good. Some of us have been in the church or been serving the Lord for many, many years. We listened to a man on, on, the, uh, on the YouTube uh, where, where Anna and Emily attend, uh, attend a chapel. And there was a man there speaking who was 87 years old, and he started ministry. He said he started ministry when he was seven. You do your math, he's been in ministry for 80 years. And he came to the, to the platform, and he had a little bit of a cane, and, and he greeted the folks there, and, and then he sat down, and he taught, and he preached uh, off the stool, and it was great. 
And here's a man of God who served the Lord. It's a fire that was still in his heart. But what, what keeps that fire going? is realizing that we don't give up because God says we're going to win, that we're going to take this thing all the way to the end, that we're going to be found faithful, and the Bible describes if we're faithful, he is faithful. He's faithful to us. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful as Isaiah said, his word shall not return void, so we're staying we're staying on the track with Jesus. What would it have been like if the early church folks gave up? First thing they know, they had persecution. First thing they know, they were being called out. First thing they know, they were being thrown into prison. If they were to quit, where would we be today? The church, in the early church times, they kept on going in spite of the imprisonment, in spite of the beatings, in spite of the persecution. And it says in Acts 9.31 in part that, that the church enjoyed being, being built up and going on in the fear. That, that phrase and being built up says something to us today. The church needs, the saints of God need to be encouraged. They need to be encouraged, being built up. That in fact, the matter is, we can get beat up pretty bad sometimes. And the devil will give you a club to beat yourself up. How many know what I'm talking about? Discouragement. Get down on yourself. Get down on who you are in Christ. You're going to feel like you're no good, that they're just sitting around taking up space. Fact of the matter is, we got breath in our lungs with the grace of God. We can speak the name of Jesus and minister wherever it may be. I cannot help but remember my cousin Dwayne, I don't know you guys might remember him, but he had, his uh, wife was Ellen. They've, Ellen passed away several years ago. Dwayne is, uh, was telling me this story about one time uh, Ellen was in the hospital and they were in a room with someone else that was next to them and there was a curtain, you know, and uh, the way he was telling about the time that he prayed with his wife and the person over to the next to them overheard the prayer and they were affected by it. In fact, it turned out, I believe that he said they ended up praying with that person. See, that's just letting your light shine. That's just doing, that's just being who you are in Christ. That's just the things that we do. That's just something that's in us. That we walk with Jesus, that Jesus walks through us. So the message is this. So we may have times of discouragement. We may feel like we didn't preach well. We may feel like we didn't have the right attitude. Come on. We may feel like we missed it or messed it up. But don't be surprised. God the Holy Spirit can take his word and begin to build and change lives. Maybe it'll come back around something you said that you didn't realize you even said it at the time was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
The Word of God does not return void without accomplishing what it, it desires. Verse 5, Paul says it this way, we do not preach ourselves. What kept Paul going was that. He wasn't out proclaiming he was anything. All that I've accomplished is merely rubbish. All that's going to matter in the end is how I serve the Lord. How I kept the faith. How I didn't quit. So I kept turning to the Lord. How I kept bowing the knee. And how I kept surrendering. Even when circumstances are not changing and your prayers are not seemingly being answered, you keep, keep on and on and on. We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is right, out, this is right from Genesis chapter 1. The earth was void. There was nothing, nothing. Darkness was over the land or the waters. But the Spirit of God moved. And then God said, let there be light. When God says it, it happens. When God sees your faith, he's moved by your faith. When God hears your prayer, he understands your heart. Even when you can't find the words how to pray, the scripture says as his spirit prays through your spirit. Even words without groaning. And the, the real message is Jesus. No, not me. It's the person of Jesus. We have this treasure, verse 7. The treasure is what? We have this treasure. The treasure is Jesus. The treasure is his word. The treasure is the Holy Spirit who comes to live within us that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not for ourselves. This is not our, uh, uh, this is not our church. It's a church. Listen, your family members, who do they belong to? <laughs> who do your family members belong to? Yes, they're your family, but they really belong to God. He, he, he gave them to you as a gift. You've been faithful to try to instill with them in faith. When you come today, when you said, they're out of my hands. It's out of my control. Things shift. Parenting goes to what I learned somewhere about caring about, care, uh, care, rather than caring for, but caring about. Not that you abandon them, never talk to them, but you have to you have to hold, uh, let loose of the reins, and so your prayer life begins to increase, right? Your prayer life begins to 
move up the ladder because now you're, you're, you're calling on the Lord. So when your sons are, and your daughters are in faraway places, God is able to minister by the Spirit of God. Or you, if you pray this way, God, I pray this way sometimes, God, give my children discernment. I open their eyes to see what is good, to see what is evil, and to turn from it. That they will have conviction, that they will have the Spirit of God in them, not be, because I can't, I can't, I, I, I know wake, I could do anything about it. But things shift. And so it was exactly what Paul was trying to describe. When I'm in a prison cell, I can't get to you right now, but I'm going to send a letter. I'm going to send a letter to encourage. And so he goes on to talk about his own afflictions. He's talking about verse 9 or verse 8, we are afflicted in every way. He just goes along the list. We're persecuted but not struck down, not destroyed. You see, he's, he's demonstrated, don't quit. There will always be a battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. In the Old Testament, I want to read a story, a little bit of it. First Samuel seven. It speak about it speaks about a battle that was taking place in uh, the time of Samuel when he was in he was in part of ministry and leadership of the church. Samuel, first Samuel seven. And the Philistines were known for being ferocious people. The children of Israel were afraid. Exactly though how Satan moves. Get you to be afraid. Get you to tremble. Looking at 1 Samuel 7 verse 12. And Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shem. This, these names don't mean much to us, but they're just places in the history of Israel. And he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer has to do meaning the Lord has helped us. I want you to think back that you didn't know what you were going to do. Maybe you were having a hard time. Maybe it was through sickness. Maybe it was making the right choices. Maybe it was making both ends meet. You didn't know what you were going to do. But you know you prayed. You see, Samuel was the peep, a person that knew how to pray. He was in right relationship with God. You see, the Israelites were afraid, but they turned to Samuel because they knew how, that he knew how to pray. And so in verse 8, I'll read another verse or two. The sons of Israel said to Samuel, this is chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, the sons of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us, 
that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Who's going to pray through for you and I? Who's going to pray through for your kids? Who's going to intercede for your, your family? Chances are it'll be you. Because you are dear to your heart. Chances are it'll be maybe someone in your family. But let's not depend or leave it up to someone else to pray. Let's pray too. Let's be the first one to say, I'll pray. And so this is why they won. This is why the Philistines turned and begin to destroy each other. It says in Philistines, verse 13, they were subdued and they did not come anymore within the border. Verse 11, the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines. They just ran. The Israelites just slaughtered. And there was victory. Jesus is our victory. Jesus is our rock. The word Ebenezer means has something to do with the Lord, thus the Lord has helped us. But isn't that interesting how Jesus used Peter? Petra means rock. Jesus said these words to Peter, upon your faith, I will build my church based upon your expression. Who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ. Jesus is known as the cornerstone. Paul talked about Jesus as being the foundation. We must hold close to Jesus. Cling to him. Speak his name. You don't have to have a lengthy prayer when you're in trouble. You say, Jesus. I know, it's happened to me a couple of times. Being hurt, being struck by things. Instantly, I had it happen. I cry out to Jesus. I know he's there. He saves me. It's like Peter who drowned, was drowned, going under at least. He took his eyes. He cried out, Jesus. Jesus smacks his hand, got him out. It doesn't have to be complicated. Can we work with him? Better yet, are you willing to let God use you and work through you? You're the earthen vessel. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for humility, willingness, a surrendered heart, one who's dependent upon him. And our, our ministry is not by our own, our own thinking, but it's by the Spirit of God guiding you. I don't think the early church really knew exactly how they were going to do this. When they waited on the Lord, that was what they were supposed to do. They didn't know what was going to happen. 
But all of a sudden they understood when the power of the Holy Spirit came on them. This is what they needed. And they went out preaching. And they laid their hands on the sick and they came back to life. Peter spoke to a, a dead lady, one who had died. Was it? it was Dorcas. It was Dorcas. He spoke to the body. She come back to life. That's great. That's an astounding, extraordinary miracle. That's the same Jesus that we, we serve today. I'm going to encourage you to speak Jesus over your family. Speak the favor of God upon your children. I, I encourage you to pray this prayer. Open the eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes that I might see. So we'll conclude with this great song. And all of us wondered at some point, here I raised my Ebenezer, what in the world does that mean? It doesn't have anything to do with Scrooge. Okay? The word Ebenezer has to do with thus the Lord has come. Thus far the Lord has come. Look how far the Lord has brought you. Look how far you've come in the world. And you're not done yet. So we keep going on. We're going to sing this in conclusion as a song to just to hold the words in our heart. Sometimes I find myself singing songs after, after we go home from church. And sometimes I find myself singing the songs on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. It's a good thing. Because I believe that the Lord wants to help us remember truth. And sometimes a song brings it back and reminds us. And so sing it with me. Come thou fount of every place.